Hello folks, welcome to the Dog Point Podcast, episode 5. Today's topic, children and dogs. With me here today as a co-host is my son, Michael. Hi everyone. And um, Mike, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to get some flag for some of the things I'm uh, about to say. Definitely. But um, they need to be said and they could potentially save a child's life. So I am not going to not say it. Um, just to, you know, appease some people. Correct. And so let's dive right into it. There has been a trend recently um, on social media where parents put their children and dogs in positions that at best could be described as uncomfortable for the dog and at worst downright dangerous for the sake of likes and a viral video. And I want to say there's a lot of dogs that are really good with children and where, you know, filming a child and a dog together is perfectly safe. However, in, in order to stick out from the crowd, some people taken it to a next level. And that is a very dangerous trend because... To the layman, the video looks all right. Yeah, they know the, the dog knows the child and they're fine. To a trained eye, you see some of those dogs are very uncomfortable. They stop panting, their mouth is closed, they're licking their lips and their nose. And all those are signs of stress in a dog. All those are signs of mounting anxiety. And it's only a matter of time before that dog acts to get out of the situation. And that is where it gets very dangerous for children. Yeah, and we frequently we frequently see on social media instances of dogs reacting to children doing random things or pulling on their ears or pretty much pushing their pain threshold or tolerance and then everyone wants to blame the dog instead of the parents. And instead of understanding how the dog's mind works. Right, exactly. And it, and people don't understand, oh, you hear these stories, the dog turned on the child or the dog turned on the owner. No, that's not how it works. There were signs before that were ignored, be it due to ignorance and not knowing the signs, or be it because, yeah, it's going to be fine. And it turns out not to be fine. And so I just want to bring some awareness to those things so that less people fall for that and when you next time you see one of those videos look very closely look at the dog's body language and then ask yourself was that safe you know did that look like it was safe and if the answer is no never ever do it with your child okay we're not talking about um things that just happen and somebody quickly brings out a camera to film it i'm talking about staged videos that are made with the explicit purpose of trying to get a viral video right that is different from a dog and a child that know each other very well and they just happen to do something together and somebody filmed it that's different right um when you were small 
when we had our pit bull Ava and you were on the ground petting Ava and Ava had one paw on you and it so happened that both of you fell asleep yeah in the in the process right on together and i took a picture of it but i never shared it on social media for multiple reasons right? <laughs> yeah one because you were a child and i don't put toddler's pictures out there on the internet for some weirdos to look at and two i did not want to encourage people to try and replicate that correct because they'll do right? it in your own manner because it just happened it just both of you played for some hours and then just fell asleep that is different from me trying to place a dog in that position against their will so to speak and and have them really uncomfortable doing something right there's a huge difference there and so you know it is it is a dangerous practice and it it needs to stop you know if you put yourself out there with with your dog and and do some goofy stuff and the dog had enough and it bites you okay that goes into the category play stupid games win stupid prizes <laughs> right yeah. but the moment you do this with a child everything changes in my opinion right that that is where the fun stops and the idiocy starts so that and in these days with the constant cloud chase on social media everyone wants to get a cute video with their child and their dog just for some likes and some following while jeopardizing their child and potentially putting them in a situation to get mauled and then mm-hmm. when they want to punish the dog or abuse the dog after for doing that the dog is so confused because the dog in their head was just defending themselves because this child is pulling on their ears and getting up in their face and pulling on space because yeah. the parents never taught this child boundaries and in the case of toddlers and even younger children how are those young children even supposed to know that to begin with so it's on the parents to constantly observe constantly monitor constantly set boundaries and constantly prevent anything from happening until your child is i would say very late teenager into an adult stage you should always supervise your children around your dogs you are an adult you have the intelligence to know okay don't do this okay he you know my dog is looking a certain way he's looking uncomfortable Yeah. A teenager's brain isn't fully developed. They're not going to be able to process all of that or even know if you don't teach them. Correctly. And and so it has to be a two-way street, right? Yes, we have to teach the dog to respect the child. Right? And that the child is off limits for anything aggressive. But we also have to teach children to respect the dog and the dog's space and not constantly be in their face. You know, be it with with a hand or, or or you know poking the forehead or you know trying to hold on to the tongue and stuff like that so that you know i've seen in in case of small toddlers and very large dogs i've seen a child stick her thumb into a dog's nose and then grab the tip of the oh, nose no. with the rest of the hand now luckily for this child that dog absolutely loved this child she's really lucky right? and you could see the dog is uncomfortable but he let it happen 
And the moment she let go and he had a chance, he got up and walked away. Yeah, because he needs to decompress. But that, if that had been a different dog, that would have been a bite right there. Of course. And her face was right in front of his nose because she of was course. looking at what she was doing. And so that that is not, you know, those are the things that I'm talking about. That should not happen for the sake of a video. And and so, you know, it's just people just have to get themselves a little more educated in terms of dogs when they decide to bring a dog into the family. The information is out there. There is countless trainers like myself and many others that have hundreds of videos free out there on, on social media platforms. So if if you look at videos from one trainer and then look at videos from the other trainer, you'll see subtle dif differences. But by and in large, most of them will agree on certain things. So you can extrapolate sense from nonsense and have a fair idea as to what you're supposed to be doing with your dog. You know. And then paired, paired with this current social issue, two things that a lot of these parents aren't taking into consideration, whether willingly or simply by being unintentionally ignorant, is that you have to take both the breed as well as the genetic background into account. A stable, well-bred golden retriever is going to be great with kids, with proper training, is going to be social, is going to be happy to see everyone and get cuddles. But a backyard bred golden retriever with poor genetics it's going to be a mess. It's going to be a lot of you have no idea what you're going to get. And then those are typically the dogs that react in certain ways or behave in unstable manners. And then people want to paint this negative picture around the breed instead of holding themselves accountable to purchasing a dog from a backyard breeder or not researching Correct. the breed. Correct. And then there's some breeds that are prone to these differences more so than others, right? So generally, bullies are very friendly dogs. But they have been coming so popular that there is a lot of indiscriminate breeding taking place. Yes. Right? And bullies have pit bull genetics. And some pit bulls were bred to fight. And so yeah, they have, yeah, they're game bred. So those genes are floating around in the yeah. bully population more and more. You know, there's very serious bully breeders that take pride in what they're producing that make sure that that doesn't happen in their line. Of course, I've met But then there's, there's also hundreds of backyard breeders who don't care. Once yes. the dog is a certain size, it's nice and compact, it's a bully, great. Here's your puppy, where's my money? Right? Yeah. And exactly that, they want the money. If something happens after, an ethical breeder will take back the dog. If you say, hey, this something wrong with this dog, you know, they will take it back. Yeah, because it's the right thing to do. Right. And ethical breeders take on that responsibility for the dog's life. And then you have the backyard breeder. So if you go back with the dog and bring back the dog and say, hey, no, I want my money back. There's something wrong with this dog. They will block you, your phone number. They will not answer your calls because they got their money. You have the puppy. As far as they're concerned, that transaction is finished. Yeah. You know? Now, 
it's a bit of a two-sided thing too. You know, somebody, some people can take a, a, a well-rounded puppy and mistreat it. Of course. And then produce a be undesired behavior that way. Right? But those are the extreme cases. Those are the, the rare cases. Right? But backyard bred dogs that with no care about genetics where somebody has a female and John Doe down the road has a male. Okay, let's you know, come to some sort of arrangement and let's sell puppies. And, uh, so, sorry to cut you off, but I just wanted to say that this in particular, backyard breeding and the complacency that people worldwide have with backyard breeders is what's responsible. I, I don't want to say for all but for a lot of the negative stereotypes and horror stories you hear on the internet about this breed and that breed, even from breeds you wouldn't typically hear things from, right? And this just does or is doing somewhat irreparable damage to certain breeds. Correct. A like, dog. like some of them are banned in, yeah. in, in many countries. Like in so. England, in the UK, I believe, they're banning the XL Bully. Even though yep. the bully was meant to be a more friendly a dog. A friendly dog, yeah. A yeah, human, exactly. A human-friendly dog. But again, because they got so popular, there are some breeders that put bloodlines and genetics into into those dogs that like to fight. And if you don't train them and just raise them, like many people do, so there has to be, in, in case of the XL bully, there has to be some blame on owners. And you can't have a, a a powerful dog like this that is nothing but muscle and size and not train it properly and not socialize it properly. Of course. That has been a huge issue with, in particular with the XL Bully in the UK. So, you know, we have to look at, at both sides and, and call a spade a spade there. But um, many times... It's, it's backyard breeders and poor genetics that wins. And it wins because the price is cheaper. And therein lies the problem, right? People say, so why should I pay X amount for a, a puppy if I can get the same breed for Y money? Yep. You know, what what is not thought of when making that decision is a real breeder that breeds for the love of the breed does not make money breeding. Yeah, most of the time they, they run on a loss and they have some other job or business that kind of funds them and keeps, and keeps that breeding yeah, business. It funds their hobby, yeah. right? Yeah, because, exactly. you know, even, even people who compete with dogs and, and they happen to breed, the loss of one litter, for whatever reason, puts you in the red. You know, you have to purchase really good dogs to breed from and those are very expensive and in order to know that they're really good dogs they have to have some titles before you get the dog so if somebody raises a dog trains a dog and titles the dog to prove that the dog is a certain way they would have spent a lot of money doing that so they're not going to part with this dog easily you have to put out some some good bit of change to 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 get this dog you know and 
At the end of the day, it is mostly the elderly and children that suffer. Because they are the most vulnerable. They are the ones that can defend themselves the least. And so we have to look out for those folks. We, we have to, as, as trainers, we have to bring awareness to this. We have to speak up about this. And, you know, deal with this head on. Because if we don't, we are no better than the people who don't do their research. Okay? So when you, when you bring a, a dog into a family where there's children, or you have a dog, you decided to have a dog, and you decided on the breed that you want, and then decide to have children, but you have a breed that could be problematic with children, the onus is on you to, to make that work, to plan ahead, you know. There is behavioral traits in dogs that come with their DNA. And so, you know, if you want your dog to behave very calmly around your dog, maybe you should have not gotten the Malinois. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Definitely not. <laughs> Just as, a, as an example. Now, there's lots of Malinois that are really good with family kids. But it... it it takes a lot of work to make that happen and it takes some experienced people to make that happen with this breed yeah definitely wouldn't recommend it yeah, for no. first time owners especially no, if, just you're, how if you're now having your first child definitely not the the dog breed to get for the average person there's lots of breeds that are not really suitable for first time owners you know like Rottweilers Rottweilers Malinois Mastiffs yeah. those dogs are not you should have had some form of other dog before before you get into that because you must have some dog experience. I mean, if somebody says, okay, I really love this breed and I want to have this breed, but I don't have the skill set or I don't have all the knowledge on it, then acquire it. You know, go to professionals Go to a reputable breeder, get some information, and then if you decide, okay, I really want one of those dogs, then ask the breeder, is there a trainer you recommend? You know, it, I need somebody good to help me with this. And then you can, you know, make it work. But getting the help and the absence of knowledge is a must. It is not a maybe. Definitely. You know. And... From my perspective, for those of you who don't know, I'm not a full-pledged trainer, but I'm the son <laughs> of Mark. So I've grown up my entire life seeing things, I would say, from a bit of a unique perspective, while most of our listeners here are people who are more passionate or see dog training as a hobby, or even if they just simply want to learn. I'm going to share with you a bit of insight from my perspective growing up. So... Of course, like most dads, <laughs> in my father raising me growing up, he has taught me so much about dogs, carried me to sessions, house calls, and I've just soaked up over the years. I'm 22 now, so I've definitely gotten a good bit of exposure, I would like to say. And... Should think so. <laughs> <laughs> And for those of you who also wouldn't know, I'm actually one editing most of the videos. So I'm le learning stuff by force. <laughs> I don't have a choice. 
I'm editing everything and have to hear everything about four or five times before it gets uploaded. So, in growing up, I've noticed understanding how certain breeds behave, how genetics come into play, do's and don'ts, etc. From my dad's perspective, so whenever I see a dog, I see a, a scenario it's relatively easy for me to understand or assess. But then when I would have spent time by my friend's house or some family or just in general discussion with members of society, I noticed, wow, the difference is staggering because whereas in some countries like the United States and Canada and England and Australia, and the list goes on, while those countries... Germany. There's a lot of freely accessible information available on dogs and a whole host of topics. In other parts of the world, a lot of people have no idea, and I don't mean this as any insult, but a lot of people have zero idea what it means to own dogs. And as a consequence of that, they have even less of an idea on how to raise their children alongside a dog or to raise a dog alongside children depending on which one came first so i'll kind of like you to explain from the ground up from a scenario of someone having a dog already and they've just gotten a newborn they just had their first child okay so there would have been some level of preparation before or at least there should have been where in most cases when when people have a child on the way they prepare a nursery right it's a room for the child and so forth so you start teaching the dog that it is no longer okay to enter that room and that is temporary but important right so whenever you go in that room the dog can't follow you in. That doesn't mean you have to close the door. You just teach your dog, don't cross the threshold. So that when mom is in that room nursing, the dog is not trying to crawl into her lap, for instance. Right? And develop some level of jealousy. Two, you want to, you can use a doll for that and get the dog accustomed to the picture of mom and dad holding a baby and then teach your dog what he's allowed to do what he's not allowed to do so there's no jumping up there's no you know forcefully pushing with the nose and so forth it can sniff yes but not forcefully and you have to teach the dog when the child then is born and you're alive that that child is under your protection. That the dog cannot do some of the things it was accustomed to doing. Right? You have to teach your dog that, no, you can't do this. When the child grows up a little bit and the dog is accustomed that there is now a child that is a, a little human in the household that is under your protection and accepts that, then you can give liberties back to the dog piece by piece. Right. And the dog has to earn those liberties again, right? And when the child then starts walking around and running around, 
you have to teach your dog and put your dog on a leash because oftentimes children especially toddlers don't move like adult humans no. they are not as coordinated exactly they're very uncoordinated and many times because they now discover their voice they will run around screaming on top of their lungs right while running just for the sake of it out of the blue no reason for it it's just like yeah <laughs> and just you know dart across the living room it is easy for a dog to go into prey drive when that happens right so if you have a dog on a leash and the dog flies up and wants to follow the child you can give him a little correction that, nope go back down you know so that the dog understands that that is not reason to chase just because the child is doing that so the dog gets to understand that this picture does not mean i get to chase right the picture that he's seeing with the child running and hearing the child scream right. does not mean it's okay to go after it to chase it and once once you put your foot down with those basic ground rules if you have a genetically rounded dog you'll be fine you should not experience any issues between the child and the dog and then as the child gets some sense you teach the child not to do certain things right so if the child wants to grab the tail no right as stern no the child has to learn that that is not okay right grabbing for the ears not okay sticking your finger in any openings not okay right waking the dog up when it's sleeping not okay approaching the dog while he's eating not okay right all those things should be avoided so that the dog also has a sense of you know my human is also protecting me from this child right, right. it goes both ways what i would also like to add that i've seen people make the mistake with is that they already have a dog and the dog becomes aware that the mom is pregnant right cuz okay. dogs dogs can pick up on that yeah and as a result That's they become, with our dog. yeah they become glued to the mom especially more protective breeds but the problem with that is is that when the child is finally born and if you don't set proper boundaries the dog will sometimes begin to resource god if you don't establish right. those clear boundaries yeah so when when mom was pregnant with you our doberman venus yeah would sniff mom's belly every day of her pregnancy it was a full investigation every day where she spent about 5 minutes just sniffing every square inch of that belly and then the day that both of you came home from the hospital she wasn't interested in mom's belly and she looked past mom into the house because she knew there is somebody else right and then of course mom did not want me to do the intro of course with not. you and the <laughs> dog for at least another month or three and after the third day i carried you outside <laughs> pulled off one of your socks and let all the dogs sniff your foot right right and then move you away in my arm and i told them no 
Okay. So make them understand this is under my protection. Off limits. Right? It's off limits. And none of the dogs really had a problem with that. Quite the opposite. So that same Doberman got extremely protective over you. If anybody came to visit and lifted you off the ground, she would walk into the house showing teeth, giving warning. And just for context, everyone, mm-hmm. this is not a behavior she would usually exhibit. She would not cross that boundary of entering the house unless she was told to. And in, in this case, you know, mom handed you over to one of granny's friends and the dog wasn't having it. And she slowly walked in. She didn't want to attack. She just walked slowly into the kitchen and was growling and showing teeth. And then she handed you back to mom and this dog immediately started backing out of the kitchen again and lying down in the driveway. Yeah, because all was good now. Right? Because all was good. And until the day she died, she was that protective over you. You know? So, if it's done the right way, dogs can be wonderful with dogs, with, with, with children. Right? However, when people either don't know what to do, don't seek the information on what to do, or are downright lazy to do it. Yes, I would say people that are That is lazy. where the problems start, right? And of course, the ultimate, you know, poor genetics. Yeah, that will always create issues. That, that, but that goes in, in every sphere of life, right? That is not just with children. Poor genetics is a problem right through in, in, in all facets. In every animal, yeah. Right? Because you're not going to be happy with the dog because it's not displaying the traits that you had hoped for when you got the dog. Right? You wanted a strong, strong-willed guard dog and you got a whimsical version of it. <laughs> right? And that's poor genetics. That's choosing the wrong breeder and not doing research and it, that's what leads to this. And that is also the main contributor to our stray dog population. Yeah. Rejection. Because when people get get you know disappointed with the dogs and can't take the dog back to the backyard breeder can't even call him because the number is blocked then they resort to dropping him off in shelters in first world countries or in other countries just driving in the uh, lonely area and you know tossing the dog out of the car and so they then of course meet other dogs and start breeding and so forth so the the issue with stray dogs is not so much the ethical breeders, you know. It's the backyard breeders that don't care. And so, you know, but we're straying off there from the from the main topic, right? With kids. Let's let's go on to the perspective of the child already exists. Let's say around five years old, right? Not too much of a teenager. I'd say five year between. Five years old to 12 years, right? Around that age. Not quite yet teenager because children now going on to teenagers, they do have more intelligence, right? They're not quite there yet, but they will start developing more online. Yeah, more sense. Right, exactly, right? But children from five to 12 are still extremely random and chaotic, right? So what should people know when getting a new dog, both before they even get one, 
so like what research should they do as well as what to do when they eventually bring home the dog how to introduce the dog to a child what what's the proper protocols the do's and don'ts the introduction is relatively easy everything happens on a leash okay right and the dog has to move respectful and you explain to the child that they have to be respectful as well because i would say any child over 6 you can start explaining things to them right they might not be perfect at it but they have an idea and they they have an idea of of right and wrong at that point right especially if you told them no this is wrong don't do it again they understand that it's wrong they might try again because they're just being defiant right but that is why the number one rule is do not leave children and dogs unsupervised because you might think that your dog is fine with the kid and the dog is trying its best to be okay with the kid but you have an unruly kid that is very defiant and doesn't care what you say and then when you're not in the room wants to do some wickedness to the dog and then the dog at some point will retaliate okay and then we blame the dog when in truth and in fact the parent is to blame there okay um but generally if if you if you explain to to your child what not to do and you supervise dog and child together and you have the dog on the leash so if the dog gets too forceful in play let's say or too intense with play you stop the play and tell your dog no please you know then you can i like to to compare it to you being a fair referee right yeah you are fair to the dog and you're fair to the child you're not expecting anything from the child that the child is not capable of understanding same with the dog you don't expect the dog to to know everything that pertains to your child that's why you have it on a leash so you can guide the dog right you can teach the dog you can train the dog how to act around the child and so it's just a matter of a little effort really and so if if people do all those things and and take those steps there should not be a problem with children and dogs right so and the information is out there i mean it, it, in this day and age 2023 yeah you can google everything t- not just google you go on tiktok you go on youtube you go on any of those platforms and put in dog training or dogs and children right and you go on a trainer's page and and put in the search category dogs and children and there must there yeah. must be a video popping up that they have on their page that that talks on that you know that information is available for free i mean we do it all the time we put out videos daily that are free of charge you know so and and that is in an effort to educate more dog owners really yeah because you know, we, it's only for education that we can make a change exactly more right? people know the better you know and that goes from from free to seminars to courses short courses you know we put out blogs we put out newsletters i mean we have 
so many free information, so much free information out there that people can access and, and you know, get information from that I don't think any parent has an excuse no. to have a problem with their dog and their child. We have, a, we have several videos on puppies and children. We have several videos on what to know when getting puppies and so forth. So I don't think anyone has an excuse. And like, no. as you said, there's resources online but I have, from everyone. But I have noticed that if people want to purchase a product from, let's say, the largest seller out there. Right. Right? They will go and compare different products. They will go and compare pricing. They will go on the best reviews and the worst reviews to make sure that, you know, the reviews are authentic as well as that they're getting an opinion of a group of people on that product, right? Jumping through a whole bunch of hoops before they purchase. But when it comes to dogs, the cheapest backyard breeder that advertises in the newspaper is the one they're on to and, and just before looking at other litters or other people, just like, yeah, okay, it looks like the breed that I want. Here, here's your money and walk home with the dog. I would say there are three major groups of people that end up getting backyard bred dogs. Those who are blissfully unaware, those who intentionally get dogs from a backyard breeder simply to just get the breed for cheap, especially, especially fat breeds. And then there are those who either get them as rescues or simply got the dog offloaded to them because their relative or friend were moving away or couldn't handle the dog anymore. And those are the three major groups, I would say, are uh, uh, the groups that get backyard bred dogs. And that's a pretty large population of the world. So this is why this is such a prevalent issue globally for the past two decades, but it's been getting worse. It's worse, worse in the last five years. Yeah. Every I would say I would say in the last five years or so with, with the popularity and of, of social media. Yeah. And then COVID. Everybody wanted a dog. And then they were with that dog twenty four seven because of lockdowns. Pandemic and now puppies. that and now that they're yeah. back out to work, we're dealing with dogs that are super stressed. They have separation anxiety. Any number of problems that now come up. And if a dog is on edge all the time and producing cortisol like a champion, some point at some point break. in time, they, they, they're going to, you know, trip. Yeah. And, and oftentimes, and, children are on the receiving end because, you know, parents are pretty busy, you know, people... Yes, lack of supervision. Uh, exactly. Lack of supervision. You can, you can see if a dog is uncomfortable. You can, I mean, five minutes of five minutes of Google can tell you the signs. Okay, there's there's videos of of a a dog in a studio, a rescue dog, that was promoted in a in a TV studio, and the reporter just got closer and closer to the dog, and you could see the dog is uncomfortable. The dog is trying to pull away the head. The dog is looking away. The dog is avoiding that reporter or that talk show host, whatever, and 
the dog ends up biting her in the face, you know. And and so there's examples out there that that. And she's now actually instead of blaming the dog, there's mm. multiple trainers told her that was your fault. You created that situation. Yeah, of course. And now I mean she is, um, she has quite a bit of scarring in her face, but she's no longer working at that TV station. She's now going around the world, lecturing people on what not to do. Yeah, and on. And she turned she turned a bad into a, a good thing by trying to educate people about this, right? That's that's good on her part that, you know, whether she wanted to willingly take accountability or whether she was forced by public opinion to, to take accountability. A lot of people in this modern day and age don't take accountability for their mistakes with the dogs. And you would see in newspapers that oftentimes the dog has to get put down simply because of negligence. And lack of supervision. Yeah. And the dog always suffers. Anything that we as humans do and do wrong, the dog is always the one suffering. Right? Separation. No, no dog is born with separation anxiety. It's a condition created by a human. And so, you know, the the onus is on, on the human to, to acquire the knowledge. Getting knowledge even before you get the dog, so you know what to do, what not to do. Right? Especially, especially when it comes to children. If it's the, the owner that, you know, does some something stupid and gets bitten, well, that's on them. Right? As I said earlier, win, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. You didn't want to get the, the information. You didn't want to acquire the knowledge and what to do. And you paid for it with an injury. Right? But when it comes to children, there is no excuse. There is absolutely none. There is too much free information out there to avoid it. And parents out there, what you should do, or should I say spread the word to your friends and your family, is that not only is it important for you or your relatives are the parents to learn about how to train your dog, how to raise your dog and children alongside each other. But you should also pass that knowledge on to your children because as their brain develops and their deductive reasoning improves, they can take this knowledge that you've been feeding them over time, similarly to what my dad did when I was growing up. They can then use this knowledge on a scenario. Let's just say they're visiting their friend's house, you know, sleepover, whatever it is. And they're exposed to this dog that's in the same room of them. They know in their head, okay, they know the do's and don'ts. They know how to read the dog's body language. They know to give the dog its space, not to violate, not to violate its, its boundaries, how to respect the dog. And yeah. all of that, plays a massive role in preventing injuries it doesn't only prevent injury to your child but if you educate your child and your child decides to speak up and educate their friends i was now coming to that so yeah. if, if you go somewhere and you spend time at a friend's house and you see something that you know is you know can develop into something really bad yeah speak up yeah, you can say, hey, you know what you're doing with your dog there? You know that can backfire really badly on you if you keep that up. 
you know, and you can potentially save them, you know. And so, for the very least, it might trigger them, you know, to pull out the laptop and check it out online, Google something, right? And Google it and, oh, and ask see, Siri. you know, <laughs> yeah. Or right? ChatGPT, ask ChatGPT. <laughs> there are so many sources now, right? It is too numerous to mention, really. And and so you can find out information and and. It saves lives. That's the bottom line. Information saves lives. So that is the whole purpose of us doing this today. 